Hey dreamers, welcome back to the Money Matters podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about earning money and we can hear the cheers already. Joining us today to share her own experiences is Amanda Shilkin. Amanda is not only one of our board members at Little Dreamers, she's also a consultant and owner of Inside Out Hub, and she grew up as a young carer herself. Amanda has tons of experience in human resources and is a star at helping businesses invest in their employees, so we're pretty thrilled to have her joining us today. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me, Maddie. Before we dive in, it's time to share our win of the week. This week, Nat has just started up a photography business as her side hustle. You can check out her beautiful work on Instagram at natcourt.photography. Yay, Nat! We love celebrating you on your big and small wins throughout your journey, so be sure to submit your money wins on the forum for your chance to be featured and to win extra points on the Dreamers Hub. Today, we're talking all about how young carers can apply for their first part-time job and start earning some money. The age you can legally start working depends on the state or territory that you live in, so it's important to check online as to what it is where you're living. But generally speaking, you can usually start working once you're about 14 years old. Amanda, what was your first job that you ever had? Uh, I had a couple. One was working at a kosher food (laughs) centre that was attached uh, to a synagogue in Perth that I worked. And that was was deadly because um, you could eat all the pastries and all the bagels all the time. Uh, And the other one that I had was working at Riot Art and Craft just on the weekends and after school at one of the shopping centres in Perth. Those jobs sound a lot more fun. My first job was um, at a news agency at Chadston Shopping Centre. Um, oh, yeah. I just got to like take home lots of magazines and, and read them all. Um, I love that. <laughs> what, what, what do you need when you're applying for your first job? What are the first, what are the things you need to have with you or need to set up before applying? Yeah, look, it's changed a little bit, I guess, when I did it. And especially in the time that we're in right now, it was easier to kind of walk in with a resume and walk into cafes and stores and hand it in. Not so easy to do that now. So it's probably really good to have a really lovely looking resume, no more than two pages. Otherwise it's a bit of info overload. And sometimes a cover letter, if a workplace does ask for it, if you're putting in a formal application, but generally speaking, if you are managing to hand them out kind of informally as you go to see if there's opportunities, it would be a resume. Um, It's a really good idea as well just on some uh, sites like Seek, if you're really looking for roles to set up profiles online with them as well so that they can start to send you more information about jobs. I love that. So if I was walking into um, my second job was working at Hoyt's, I was a candy bar girl and I used to secretly steal uh, popcorn out of the popcorn machine. Um, I hope so. (laughs) what, um, What do you need to include in a cover letter? How do I start off by writing one? Yes, yeah, so a cover letter should be really specific to the job that you're going for. Nothing worse than a, to whom it may concern, I'd love to have this job because it just tells anybody that, you know, you don't really care probably and you just want anything. So it's good to try and personalise it. So if there was a job that you really wanted, like working at the cinemas, then you'd want to try and find out maybe who the person is that looks after recruitment or who the hiring manager might be. Um, make it personal, which is really great. And then just an overview of why you want that specific job, what some of your relatable experience might be. And it's okay if you haven't worked in that particular job before. It's what we call transferable skills. So great skills like customer service or being able to communicate effectively, 
Uh, those types of things we can do in lots of different jobs. So you want to be able to mention that you've got those types of skills that are matching to the particular job that you want to go for. And then really why you think you're going to be great and signing it off that way. So I always say end really positively rather than I hope to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from you, you know, back yourself, because when you show that you've got a bit of um, experience and confidence, then it's more likely someone's going to want to take your application seriously. So when we're starting out and looking for our first job or our second job, we might not have Mm -hmm. a huge amount of practical experience or we might not think we have a lot of experience. It's one of those things where they say that when you go for your first job, you're meant to have 10 years of experience already behind you. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So as um, young carers, what are some of like the the skills or experience that some of our listeners or young carers might be able to think about that they already might have under their belt that they could put on a resume or on a cover letter? Yeah, you're spot on. I think it can be really frustrating and sometimes disheartening where you just want to get started and you've taken on this really important vital role in your family unit, which, you know, gives you incredible skills, but it can be really difficult to put that on paper. So, Sometimes it might be a matter of talking to family and friends that can help you. And I know Little Dreamers does a lot of that as well, helping you to figure out that you do actually have great skills there that you might not be recognising. But think of things that you do. So as a young carer, you would be incredibly organised and reliable. So you're looking after someone else. You might be having to manage someone else's medication or care or physio or appointments. And so there's time management there and there's organisation skills there and there's patience. And even in an ability to, you know, communicate effectively and be able to tell other people like doctors and professionals what's going on and kind of keep on top of all of that. So there's lots of skills there. And then I think, think about the people skills. So in our lifetime, we're likely to have about seven different careers. So not just jobs, but careers. And what we need for that are those really great, important people skills. So yes, tech skills like computers and stuff will be important, but people skills like our ability to focus on a customer and really care, our ability to communicate effectively, to have empathy, that's a really big one. And your ability to problem solve. And as a young carer, you are naturally doing those things. Sometimes it's really difficult to recognize it yourself. And I found that when I was a young carer, you just are kind of rolling with the motions and just think you're doing what everyone else would do. And it's a bit difficult sometimes to identify that you have great skills. That's why I say sometimes ask your family and friends because they'd be able to really show you what you're already capable of. There's lots of skills like that. So I think things that are really important to businesses are that you're going to be reliable, that you're going to be honest and a great communicator, that you're going to be dedicated and a hard worker and young carers have that in spades. I think it's so interesting because they're often skills that we don't really think about that we have or skills or experience because mm-hmm. it's not something that we've gone out and learnt or studied or sat in a classroom and, and things like that. They're all skills that we've kind of gotten just from doing what we do. And so I think it's really Absolutely. important that we put a focus on those kinds of things as well when we're applying for jobs and looking at what we're good at and what we already know how to do mm-hmm. as well. And I think especially now... The world is completely unpredictable. So the rules of the past are really that, they're of the past. So I think people that maybe felt like, oh, if I was to put a resume together, it would be a bit over the place. I had this odd job for a bit and then I had to go back and help my family. And then I did this for a little while and nothing really seems to have a flow. People that feel like that shouldn't be disheartened because actually you have 
the skills that are really required. Somebody that can be flexible and learn quickly and can take on lots of different tasks and do them confidently. They're actually things that we really need, that everybody really needs right now. And a lot of people that have maybe followed a very structured path will actually struggle in the world at the moment. So you should really be embracing the fact that you've got lived experience because that lived experience actually makes you a much more emotionally mature, worldly type of person, which is really very valuable to have. I love it. Um, say I'm looking for a new job. Uh, where where do I go to look? Where do I start? Oh my God, there's so many places. That's part of the problem. I think, look, there are always the big ones like seek.com.au and Indeed and LinkedIn, depending on your age. So if you were maybe graduating high school and you were wanting to start a you know a career in the field that you were studying, maybe you'd use LinkedIn. Uh, so there's places like that, but I'd start to think outside the box because obviously those types of sites are really saturated. Yes, they have more of the jobs, but also they're going to have more of the competition. So sites like Ethical Jobs is a really good one, especially if you are a young carer and maybe you want to work in that type of field, you want to work for other charities because it's something you understand and are passionate about, then that's a really great one to align yourself to. Um, Also, start thinking outside like other freelancing types of websites as well. So where you can maybe do some odd jobs here and there, I think really help. And even Facebook. Uh, Lots of businesses do have Facebook pages, company pages for themselves. And so if there are certain types of stores or sites that you'd like to work for, um, and Instagram too, which sounds really strange, but I think you'd be spending a lot of time on there. So let's say, for example, a company like Cotton On is something that you really love. Go and follow them. They generally post about those types of roles that they're hiring. And it's a really great way just for you to stay really up to date daily with any changes they might have. So one thing um, that always made me quite nervous when I was going to job interviews was actually going to the interview. I thought (laughs) that I had all this time to prepare my resume and my cover letter and I could do it on my own time and kind of practice and make changes and things like that, whereas you can't do that in in an interview. It's kind of you're put on the spot. So what are your top three tips for nailing a job interview? Relax, relax and relax pretty much. So I think people, you know, there are all these methods out there. If you Google the best way to nail an interview, you know, star method and all these things I'm not even going to get into. I don't really prescribe to them. So I think that you want to come across as authentic as possible in a job interview, and you should be able to really confidently talk to your experience. So first thing, the best interview prep is to review your resume. So any anything that you've put down in any one of the maybe job positions or voluntary experiences that you've had that you've got on your resume, any position that you have there, you should feel really confident to talk to if someone was to ask you a little bit more about how you did it or what went on. So if there's something on your resume that you're kind of stretching a little bit to put it on there for the sake of it, I'd get rid of it because it's not going to do you any good. And then just remember that it's not a setup. So the company isn't interviewing you to see if you'll fumble or fail. They want to see if you're going to be a great fit and it goes both ways. So stay really relaxed. Try not to cram yourself. Think, get good night's sleep, things like that before. So make sure that you feel really confident and natural and talk to it as a story. It should feel really conversational. So 
make sure that you are really comfortable with, with, with what's on your resume and what you've written in your cover letter so that, that they're the things that those employers are going to be looking at when they interview. And that's about it. I wouldn't be going rehearsing a whole bunch of scripts because I think that that's when we start to panic ourselves and then we forget and we're really just forgetting the stuff we've done. So we don't need to be rehearsing things because it's our experience. Are you telling me that I shouldn't pretend that I can speak fluent Spanish? on a resume Probably then. not. If you've ever watched that episode of Friends where Phoebe makes Joey cross all those things off his <laughs> off his little uh, actor's resume, drinking four gallons of milk in 30 seconds. If you can do those things, leave them on. But yes, if you've got things on there that you really can't do, I would take them off. I'm totally okay to say that you're learning things. I am, I'm a big one to say that you have what's called learning agility, which is the ability to be able to learn pretty quickly and be open to your learning and That's a really important skill. You can't possibly know everything out there. So I would stop focusing on what the content is and how you learn. And if you can walk into an interview and sometimes you might get stumbled by a question and it's okay to say, geez, that's a really good one. I actually don't know, but you know what? If I was in that situation, I'd learn or I'd do it like this or I'd go and find the answer like this. So it's, you know, I think... um, employers and recruiters definitely know the difference between nerves and incompetence. And what you want to go for, it's okay to be nervous. It's pretty natural. I think one thing I always tell myself is that if I've gotten to an interview stage of an application process, there's a pretty good chance that they potentially want to give me a job and that I've passed like the basic criteria check. So I should just kind of own it and do what I can and show them the type of person that I am because I've already gotten through the basic parts. Um, and they've gotten that's me- such a good point. Exactly. They've gotten us to a stage where they want to chat to us and they want to meet us and get to know us better. Um, we find that young carers don't often apply for part-time or even full-time jobs because schedules can be unpredictable. You don't know what your caring responsibility is going to be one day or the next. And schoolwork is hard and, you know, adding a part-time job to the mix is often really overwhelming. How can we find flexible work um, in our day-to-day lives now? Yeah, I think you're so right that there might be a lot of jobs out there. Firstly, when um, advertiser advertising a role, they have to say, whether it's casual, part-time or full-time, it's very rarely that these job posting sites let you select multiple types of work. So first off, don't be discouraged if you see a part-time job that you think might be amazing for you or even a full-time job that you'd love to go for just because it says it's full-time or part-time. Think if you really want to reach out and find out whether or not there is flexibility in the role anyway, because the workplace might be really open to job sharing, which is quite popular, or other ways to make sure that they get the right candidates in. So often it's not about the structure of the job, it's about the right person and the fit. So firstly, I just want to say that. I think secondly, if you are, you know, do have the challenge of hours and yes, absolutely being a carer can be unpredictable and your priority is not in the work, it's in the person you're caring for then freelancing type of work or casual or contracting work is a really good one. So that's where you can start looking at those other sites that I mentioned before, um, freelancing types of sites, I think. And even thinking about creative ways that you can set up your own uh, own businesses or inside hustles, I guess. So, you know, some people, where you, when you can, when we're out of lockdown, go, go to op shops and you know, purchase things and then find a way to, to mark them up essentially and sell them online, little things like that. Or if you're really crafty or handy, 
sites like Etsy or online stores that way where you can, you know, maybe make a few bucks here and there and start to add up that cash. Um, Obviously, depending on your age and experience, you might need to get like guardian approval for some sites or apps to have accounts. But sites like Airtask are really interesting. I actually just did a job for someone on there yesterday, um, a design job. There are people looking for really great online or remote roles where you don't obviously need to be exposing yourself physically to to someone or someone's house, but you can do a job maybe online. So young carers these days are probably really savvy. Things like digital marketing or Facebook posts, those types of things might become second nature to people. So I think if you see little roles like that, you can start to add up project work as well. So you mentioned Airtasker. I have heard of this thing called the gig economy floating around. I've Mm -hmm. never really known what it means. Can you tell me? Can you explain it to me? Yeah, I mean, look, there's lots of buzzwords, but I think that's what it is. It's a matter of finding um, work. There's like work from other works. I think if you think about places like... um, Airbnb hosts, there's like businesses built on other businesses. So there's all these platforms out there, you know, that sit within the World Wide Web and we don't need to be anywhere else. And I think that's part of it. So thinking differently about the fact, and especially considering everything going on with COVID-19, that's just going to get bigger and bigger because people need to find ways to work flexibly, to work remotely, to be able to maybe pick up lots of jobs to add up a salary because it's a bit hard to find a full-time job or stable income at the moment. So it's having a look at all those types of sites. There's other ones called Upwork, which again is like if you have some great skills, you know, lots of young carers uh, might be really artistic uh, as well because you have other outlets that you want to use just to help yourself out personally. So think about monetizing on those great skills that you have. So Maybe you think you scribble a doodle in your room, you know, when you've got time to yourself, but now you're an illustrator. So I think it's just a matter of uh, workshopping all the different types of skills that you have and ways that you might be able to use those skills. And then how great you're doing something that you love and you're getting paid for it. So sites like um, Etsy, even eBay's, um, Airtasker, Upwork, those types of sites, I think, have a look at at those roles. And also a lot of companies at the moment are also looking for those contract or casual roles. Um, Also really great to see sites that are more reputable like Seek now have work from home as a location. So even because of everything we're going through, it actually does expose a lot more opportunity for for even young carers. So when I had my first I call it my first proper job, um, which I was working as an intern in a big um, multinational marketing company. Um, I was technically still a university student, but as part of our degree, we had to take on a 12-month internship. So we were working full-time. And um, my brother got really, really sick one night. And because I hadn't been at the company very long and I hadn't spoken to them about my caring role, I didn't I'd spent the entire night at emergency with my brother. I think I got home at 3.30 in the morning and I messaged my boss at 7am and said, I'll be in, I've had a family emergency, but I'll be in, I'll just be in a bit late. And obviously there are things that you can do in an employee or employer situation when you have a caring responsibility and to, so you don't have to feel like you have to go into work during these crisis mm-hmm. situations. What advice or what support is there in a business if you are a young carer and something happens in your caring role and you have to call into work or you have to take some time off? Like what are the processes in doing that? Yeah. And so it does depend on the type of job or the job function that you have. So 
for example, for a full-time or a part-time role, you have things like leave that you get that add up as you'll get accrued is what we call it, um, as you work in terms of how many hours. So if you're in a part-time or a full-time role, there are things called compassionate leave or carer's leave that you can use that are dedicated for that where you don't have to use up your annual leave or your own personal sick leave. So it's always really important there if you're in a role like that to make sure that you've checked your contract, which it would state in there when you first start, but even talk to a manager or an HR representative if you do have one as well to find out what those rights are. If you don't have those and you're working casually or on a contract type of basis where you're not getting those leaves accrued, obviously you're still a person and it's really important to make sure that you get some care and that you get the support that you need. So having honest conversations can feel a little bit hard and awkward, but it's definitely worth having them. And I think you'll be surprised with most people. What I would say is think about framing it with a solution, not a problem. Um, So if I've put myself in an HR manager's role or a manager's position, you of course want to care. But sometimes, unfortunately, your first reaction as a manager is like, oh God, great, here comes a problem. I don't have this person anymore. And it's awful to say, but I think it does happen because we're thinking in business mode. So if you as an employee know that you might have to talk about needing some time off or needing to be a bit flexible in those hours or that you're going to be in late, think about what a great solution is as an alternative when you present that statement so that you're already showing that you are committed that you don't want to let the business down, but that you do absolutely have something that you need to take care of. And I just think it helps sets it up in a really positive way. You might find that once you do that, your manager says, look, don't worry about it, but thanks so much, because at least you're showing that you're really there and committed to the business. So things like that I would think about. I would also encourage people if you have you know, a job that you've been in for a little bit of time, even if it's casual work, if you've been there for a certain amount of time as a casual, you actually have the same entitlements that somebody who is full-time has. So if you've been working a weekend job at Baker's Delight or something for a year, um, you actually have some entitlements that people who, who are in full-time work do have. So it's important to make sure you understand that. The best way to do that is to have a look at fair work gov.au because they'll let you know what those rights are. But that might be something people don't know. And if you do then need some of that time off, then there are some potential other options for you. And the other thing to remember is, you know, discrimination is a big no-no, no matter if you're casual, contract, coming in and out, full-time, part-time. So never be scared to bring it up. Um, as somebody who's been an HR manager, it breaks my heart almost that people say, I'm too scared to talk about it or there's no point mentioning it because it's going to make it worse for me. You have HR representatives and business owners and then fair work for a reason to make sure that you're really protected. So nothing should ever make you feel bad that you don't want to talk about the fact that you might need to look at changing hours or be flexible because yes, absolutely. What arrangement that you might need does need to work for the business, but not having the conversation at all or feeling dismissed or potentially feeling victimized or discriminated against for raising the fact that you have a caring role is never okay in any circumstance. So just before we finish up, if I was to ask you, because you have your own business, you've been working in lots of different formats, whether it's contracted work, part-time, full-time, the gig economy, you've done it all. Um, If you had one tip for young carers who are trying to figure out how to balance caring and work and 
progressing in life towards their dream job potentially. What is your one tip for our young oh, care gosh, listeners one today? Tip. That's a big challenge, Maddie. <laughs> um, I'll make it one really long tip. Um, <laughs> I think firstly, work out what it is that you really want right now. And I do exercises around this and um, Maddie can maybe test it around what your values are. So what's important to you is different to also what you might need right now. So you might have some values that are really important for you to get fed, but also you might need to get a job that pays a certain amount to be able to help the business, to help the family. So I think firstly, work out what's the difference between what you'd really love versus also what you might need right now. And you can make a plan around that. And then I think get some help if you can't do it on your own, maybe with some friends and family to work out what your skills are and what your strengths are and then build a little map or a plan around that. So start with what you're already really great at and then have a look, have a look on Seek, have a look at different jobs, speak to people maybe that you know that you admire that have jobs that you love and work out maybe what skills you can start to build on if you don't have those ones to fill in the gaps. If you can afford it, things like work experience or unpaid internships are a great way to go, um, especially now where businesses aren't really sure how much money they're going to have to play with because of everything. And it might be a great way for you to get a foot in the door and show your commitments. So if you can afford it, do that as well. But just remember, I guess the biggest tip is that you've got lots and lots of skills and they're called transferable skills. So think about all those great tasks that you do as part of your incredible caring role now and work out the fact that there are probably lots of jobs out there that already have those skills in mind and start working from them. Great. Um, we have a lot of uh, resources like this that you guys can check out on our Dreamers Hub module this week. So there's a resume template and there are some strength-based assessments that you can also take on and look at on the Hub this week. So I encourage you all to check it out. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights. If our Dreamers would like to learn more about you and Inside Out Hub, where can they find you? Thanks so much for having me firstly. It's always awesome to join you. Um, they can have a look at insideouthub.com. I also have an Instagram for Inside Out Hub. Um, so it's just at Inside Out Hub. And um, if you're on LinkedIn, there is a company page there where you can look at my name. And I'll also, I'm happy to share some resources with Maddie too for the hub. So there is a values exercise that I do take people through. Um, so we'll share some of those as well if you'd like to have a look at understanding a little bit more about what's important to you and then maybe what you can do from there. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Now it's time for Dreamer Diaries. Each week, we'll follow James and Julie, two young carers on their journey to own their finances. James wants to apply for a part-time job for the very first time. Although he doesn't have any traditional work experience, he has gained many skills from taking care of his brother Alex, as well as from extracurricular activities at school. On his resume, he writes that he is sociable because he enjoys talking to different types of people. He also writes that he is very organised because he is good at balancing his schoolwork with his caring responsibilities at home. James loves playing basketball with his friends at school and playing sports in PE so he writes down that he's an excellent team player. To find job openings, James searches job boards online in his local area and asks his friends and family if they know of any jobs available. 
After two months of searching, James notices that a local basketball club is looking for a junior basketball referee. He sends them the resume he made, attends a casual job interview and lands the job as a referee on the weekends. This is a great role for James because it means he can stay active while earning money on a regular but flexible basis. It's also a great way for his brother to get out and watch a few games of basketball. Julie also wants to get a job, but often feels anxious when she's away from her mum, who has early onset Alzheimer's. Because Julie's schedule is unpredictable, she doesn't feel comfortable applying for traditional part-time jobs, so she considers entering the gig economy. Julie has excellent grades in year 10 maths and often helps her friends with their homework, so she decides to become a maths tutor. She advertises her tutoring services to her friends and their younger siblings in year seven and eight, and two students decide to be tutored each week for $20 an hour. Julie can choose how many students to tutor based on how busy her schedule is. This is a great job for Julie because it's flexible and she can even tutor students virtually from home. Although James and Julie have limited work experience and don't have a flexible schedule, they are still able to earn money in a way that works for them. When it comes to finding a job and earning money, remember to look at the skills you have to offer and think outside the box. If you need extra guidance and support, we're here to help you every step of the way. Challenge of the week. This week, I want to encourage you to create a resume. If you already have a resume, then I want to challenge you to list five potential jobs that you think you would be a great candidate for. Remember, you can share your five potential jobs with us in the forum and earn even more points in the Dreamers Hub. That's it for this episode. We'd love to support you and cheer you on. You can also find handy tips and tricks on how to find a job in this week's module. See you next time.